0: So here, my people, what God has to say to you. I am the God who finds you. Despite the obstacles thrown in my way, locked doors, complaints, disbeliefs, nothing will keep me from saving you. You are welcome here. You are in the right place. In the bodies and spirits of each one here, I, your God, have given you enough for today. This welcome is a gift freely given that already lives in you, that will hold you tight and never let you fall. Welcome. Welcome to Milwaukee Mennonite Church on this fourth Sunday of Easter. I was gonna introduce everybody, but I think you all know everybody. So this Easter season, we are practicing what it means to be free and empowered followers of the risen Christ. We're looking to the wondering and wandering people of Acts and Exodus to see what we can learn from these imperfect people who are trying, as we are, to figure out how to live fully and faithfully. Today is also Mother's Day, and we celebrate all among us who mother, who mother by way of birth and adoption and fostering. We celebrate stepmothers, godmothers, trans mothers, dog moms, and birth moms. We celebrate mothers who longed to be mothers and mothers who did not. And we, fu- we celebrate those who find creative ways to mother others who are not their children. And for all those with complicated or painful emotions around this day, for whatever reason, I see you, everything you are feeling belongs here. If this is your first time worshiping with us, which I don't think it is, welcome. Why? Sorry, I lost my place. So welcome. We're so glad that all of you are here and we'll welcome the sermon giver when she arrives. I might have to give a no notes impromptu sermon. We'll see. Um, so let's welcome each other. Let's join in a smaller circle and If you could name, well, I can do it. I can see them up here. Could someone go grab the mic from Aaron? So on Zoom, I'm gonna put this back on since you're all closer. On Zoom, we have Wendy and anyone else in her household and also Rachel S. S. Scott and no one else from her household because she's there. There's Amy, welcome. Come and join our circle. If you wanna just like go into the row there and, and make this circle all the way in. So the mic is on, just hold it up to your mouth and say your name and pass the mic around.
1: Peter. Rachel. David. I'm Amy.
2: Matthew.
3: Rebecca. Micah.
2: Levi.
0: Allison. Lori,
4: Steve, John,
0: All right. and Aaron. Aaron, you can keep the mic. I'm going to turn that down. Mm, you should know this song. We've sung it the last two weeks. I'll sing it once, and you can join in if you know it. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Anyone need a refresher on the lyrics? Everyone feeling OK? Have you? OK. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Let's sing it a few times, and then we'll try to break into a round if that feels good. So. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Welcome to the arms of God. Welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome home. Welcome to the arms of, welcome to the arms of, welcome to the hands of Christ. Sing welcome to the spirit, she is coming even now. Welcome, welcome
5: home.
0: Now gather up some peace. Get a big armful from here, big armful from here. Pack it all together. Pick someone you want to pass the piece to. Zoomers, you can do this too. You can uh, turn on your video and throw your peace ball at the screen. Ready, set, Amy, peace be with you. And pick up another one. Gather it up. Peter, peace be with you. Micah, ready? Amy! You got
2: it, you got it. She caught it! She (laughs) caught it,
0: hey! Uh, We can all retake our seats. And we have our first song, Voices Together, 68. There is no one in this world like Jesus.
5: Thank nothing. nothing.
0: This is a time for practicing gratitude what are you grateful for this week things that are too big to name things that are almost too small to notice what are you carrying gratitude for today anyone on zoom you can write into the chat and aaron will read it out anyone in the sanctuary just shout it out and i'll repeat it into the microphone what are you grateful for breath Breath. Simon graduating. I'm grateful for running, sunshine. sunshine.
6: Rachel says, "It sunny days."
0: Sunny days. Different ways of sharing stories. Laughter shared. Celebrating the end of the semester. Awesome teachers. Awesome teachers. Grateful for my mom and my mother-in-law. And my grandmother in law. Welcome, come on in. We are sharing gratitudes at the moment, so come on in. <laughs> thank you for this day, Spirit. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this day Spirit. Thank you for this day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. This healing, this healing, this healing day. The Spring. Thank you for the Spring Spirit. Thank you for the Spring thank you for the spring spirit thank you for the spring this healing this healing this healing spring this healing this healing this healing healing spring this time thank you for this time spirit thank you for this time Thank you for this time, Spirit, thank you for this time. This healing, this healing, this healing
6: time. This healing, this healing,
0: this healing healing time. Part of our practice is being honest naming and owning the places where we are maybe not doing our best or even screwing up. We don't confess in order to wallow in our own sins and be so much more sinful than thou, more more confessing than anyone else. We confess because by naming our sins and failures, we can see them clearly and we can understand what is going on, and ask for help where we need it, and find solutions together. Until our eyes are open, we cannot begin to do better. So we are going to have a time of confession and assurance. With before and after the confession, we'll sing this song, Be Right Here. Mm -hmm. wait really Mm -hmm. there it is (laughs) if you remember this join in and if you don't join in when you get it here
6: right here
0: God, you know us. You don't need us to tell you that we are not perfect. You already know the ways we have strayed from the life you gave us to live. In this moment, empower us to be present to those parts of our lives with honesty. Let us lay down our shame and name before you the places where we need your help on this difficult journey. In silence, we bring before you what is weighing in our hearts. Dear practicing people, hear these words of grace. I am the God who finds you. Despite the obstacles thrown in my way, nothing will keep me from saving you. I say, you are forgiven. This grace is a gift freely given that already lives in you that will hold you tight and never let you fall. Alleluia, Alleluia,
6: Alleluia. Alleluia,
0: Alleluia, Alleluia. Apologies if I changed key in the middle of that song. Steve, will you come up and lead our next song? 606, a new 606. Guide me, O Thou great Jehovah.
2: Yeah, this is a a great song to follow up confession and assurance, um, assurance of a God who can take on any challenges that we might be facing. Um, Could you stand? uh, So we'll sing this together.
0: So I'm going to give some context to the scriptures and then we're going to read them and we'll have an open mic time after that to say what we notice in the scriptures. So just listen for what you see, what you hear. So the text from the Hebrew Bible is from Exodus and it comes right after last week's story of the manna and the quails that we had. And once again, the people are, I keep forgetting to take this off, sorry. Just like wave at me. Just so used to it. So once again, the people are, out, are on the move, and once again, they're out of water. Uh, they've had proof after proof that their God is going to take care of them, and they still keep wishing that they were back in Egypt. Um, this is the last complaining about food and water text, I promise. And then in John, we shift, in the New Testament, we shift over to John. And this story comes on Easter evening. At dawn of this day, it was Easter day when Mary Magdalene went to the garden and ran into Jesus and went back and told the other disciples, and the text doesn't tell us what they did all day. And I love imagining what were they doing that whole day uh, between then and sundown. So by evening, they're locked in the upper room of the house, afraid that they will be the next victims as the city tries to purge itself of Jesus's followers. And I don't know what text you printed out, Rachel. Um, this is the text that says they were, they were locked in for fear of the Jews. And a, a more accurate reading is for fear of the religious leaders. Uh, it would have, could have been any of the religious leaders. Uh, Rachel? Oh, you did. Cool. Okay. So I should say that. I, I made my little parenthetical edit. Uh, who has the Hebrew the Hebrew Bible text? All right, Lori, and then Rachel, come on up.
7: Exodus 17. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it, so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not?
1: Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe.
0: What do you notice? You don't have to have a point or a conclusion, just what jumps out at you. Uh, Aaron, if anyone types anything into the chat, you can read it out and I will repeat it into the microphone. So just a few words or sentence. What do you notice? A week later. There was a week in between the events for the Zoom people. That's what was said. Wonder where, was. Wonder where Thomas's twin was. I always wondered that. A need for proof. Need for proof. The need was accommodated. Jesus preempted the need for proof by showing the disciples his hands when he first saw them. How is asking for water testing God? Would they have got water if they hadn't complained? I wonder why he has, Moses has to take elders with him. Is it to show them how it's done? Or to have testimony that something happened? I wonder. Well, thank you all. It's now time for children's time. Come on forward. Do we have any kids joining on Zoom? Hey, Micah, it's just us. This mic is just for the people on Zoom. They don't matter. It's just us. So this happened when I was in kindergarten. Uh, My class was walking through the hall. We were all in a line. You still do that? You still have to like line up to walk in the hall? Well, I think I was at the end of the line with two other kids. And somehow our line got like mixed up with another line. And the three of us got attached to this other class. And we were just like, well, you just, you follow lines, that's what you do in school. So I just followed them even though I was like, this isn't right, something's wrong here. And uh, so I just followed them, and we went into the gym. They were having gym class. And in this gym class, well, first of all, when I was walking in the door, there was like a teacher's aide or something at the door, and I was like, "Um, I'm not supposed to be here, and she was like, go in. And I was like, okay. She didn't believe me. She didn't even listen to what I had to say. So we went into the gym and there was this long line of tape and all these different symbols and every student was supposed to sit on a particular symbol in alphabetical order. I don't know if you have to, do you have something like this? No, this was how our gym teacher had it set up. And so me and these two other kids, we knew which symbols were ours. And so we went over to them but there were already kids there because it was a different class. And one of the other kids was fighting with a kid from the other class like, no this is my spot, no it's my spot. And I said, it's both your spots. But they, they didn't know what I was talking about. They didn't believe me. So finally, the gym teacher came over and she knew us. And she was like, what are you doing here? And I, I said, well, we got, we got attached to this line and we ended up here. And so she's like, okay. And she gathered us up and sent us back to our classroom. But I just remember that feeling of like, something's wrong. And I know it. I know something. And I tried to tell somebody about it and they didn't believe me. Now that's kind of a funny story. It ended up okay. But do you have any time like that? When there was something that you really knew was true that someone didn't believe you? It's okay if you don't have an example right now, but just think for a second. Yeah, do you wanna? So, I was at school, and um, my friend's favorite basketball player is Jason Tatum. And I told him that my aunt taught Jason Tatum in third grade, and he didn't believe me. Yeah, and, and sometimes not, belie- not being believed can really hurt. Because you're like, no, I'm, I'm a truthful person. Or like, this really is true, I know it. Um, so my husband Jake, when he was about your age, probably a little bit older, he was out in the woods by himself, and he fell, like off a rock, because he was in Pennsylvania and there are rocks there. Um, and he hurt his arm, his his left arm, and he came home and he said, "Dad, my arm really hurts. Something's wrong." And his dad said, "It'll be fine. Just, you know, take some ibuprofen, sleep it off." And the next day he came and he was like, "Dad, my arm." It really hurts there's something wrong and his dad said it's fine just things like this hurt you'll get better and on the third day he was like dad there's something wrong with my arm and so finally they took him to the doctor and he'd fractured his arm and he knew it he knew that there was something wrong his arm hurt he knew that that was true and nobody would believe him and his arm is still a little bit like, it, it clicks a lot when he does this because he didn't get it fixed right away. So sometimes not being believed when you know something is true, it really hurts. That doesn't mean that like, we should believe every single person, everything they say, but just knowing like, oh, maybe that person's telling the truth. Maybe Maybe I can think about that a little bit. So I wanna tell you the story that we've heard already, but I'm going to put you in the story. You're going to be one of Jesus's best friends who were the disciples, okay? So when I say you in this story, that's, that's you, Micah, which is a very biblical name, so probably one of these friends was named Micah. So you just saw your best friend who's also your teacher and your leader, you just saw him die. He was executed. You saw that happen. And you're still, you were just beginning to grieve that and feel sad about that when your friend Mary comes in in the morning and says, you all, I just saw him. I just saw Jesus. And you're like, but he died. And she said, no, I I know he died, but he's alive again. And she's like, they're like, it's probably a ghost. And she's like, no, 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 no. I touched him. He was real. And so you all, you're thinking about this and you don't know what to make of it. So you gather together that evening up in a room and mary's there and peter and you know all these these people and all of a sudden there he is jesus appears right in front of you and he says peace be with you And he holds out his hands and both hands he has he has holes wounds in both of his hands because he was murdered by being crucified which is what this cross is for um, and they would nail your hands to, to the cross. It was a very painful way of being executed. And that happened to Jesus, and he died. And they said, are you a ghost? And he said, no, look, this is, this is my body. And look, I have the same, the same hurts as I did when I was alive. And they, And you all say, yeah, OK, this is really him. I really believe this. And then Jesus goes away again. And then your friend Thomas shows up. He was out grocery shopping. So he comes in with all the supplies you're gonna need for the week. He's got his arms all full. And you run to him and you say, Thomas, 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 Jesus was here. And Thomas says, I don't I don't believe it. I, it can't be true. And you say, No, he's here. And he wasn't a ghost, he was a real person. And Thomas says, I won't believe it I, until I see the wounds in his hands. I won't believe it. And You all say, but we saw them, we saw those wounds. And so Thomas says, until I touch them and put my fingers in them, I'm not gonna believe. So a whole week passes and you're going to work, you're going about your business. It's a week later and you all gather together again and Thomas is there this time and you're like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder what's gonna happen here. And Jesus shows up, there he is. And he turns to Thomas and he says, Thomas, it's me. And Thomas says, Are you a ghost? And Jesus says, No. See, look. And Thomas reaches out and he touches Jesus's wounds on his hand. So I wonder, I wonder what it felt like to be Thomas to miss that big thing and have all of your friends saying something that you just cannot believe because it's so wild. And I wonder how you felt as that disciple seeing your friend again after so long, and not even a long time, but after such a big thing had happened. And I wonder why Jesus didn't wait until Thomas was there. Do you have anything you wonder in that story? Anyone else have anything that they wonder? I guess we we shared some things from the scripture, but anything from that telling of it? I wonder why the mic is popping. (laughs) Well, that's your question to wonder on this week, or your story to wonder on. And you can go back to your seat. Thank you. Amy will be delivering
3: our sermon. Hi, everyone. So as a lot of you know, after spending a good four decades considering what I wanted to be when I grow up, I started the process of becoming a healthcare chaplain in 2019. And after being, oh, briefly waylaid by a pandemic, um, I began my first job um, as a home hospice chaplain um, at the end of last year. I have a really weird job. I see this in the myriad reactions that I have already gotten when people innocently ask me what I do for a living, then struggle to figure out how to respond when I tell them I offer spiritual care to the dying. I see this in the range of reactions I receive when I reach out to our new patients and families. I feel this every day as I balance the felt and experienced needs of my patients with Medicare requirements, that every hospital patient be offered every hospice patient be offered spiritual support. I feel this every day as my mundane efforts to schedule my time are complicated by the mysterious timing of the end of human lives as someone who habitually tries to meet everyone's expectations of me at all times. Adjusting to this job has been a strange journey for me because I almost never meet people's expectations of what a chaplain is. In some cases, this is a really good thing. I have the opportunity to non-judgmentally listen and be present with people who've had negative experiences um, with religious leaders and institutions. Um, sometimes this can be kind of painful um, because I get people either confused or sometimes disappointed that the chaplain they're being um, assigned is not a man and um, part of my life has been um, you know kind of dealing with the fact that given the gifts that I have to offer in ministry um, I too have wondered why I'm not a man um, so um, yeah <laughs> um, but also too sometimes um, My failure to meet expectations is just really difficult because hurting people look to me to speak words of wisdom and truth, to assure them and to answer their doubts. And I have to say, I'm sorry, I don't do that. That's just not what I'm for. You might want confidence and certainty. I'm just an ordinary person who drives around all day telling people that it's okay for them to feel what they're feeling. In the work that I do, I have seen how churches and church people often talk about how, how I often see how ch- the ways that churches and church people talk about doubting and questioning can cause people anguish at the end of their lives. Because when one spends their life enmeshed in a faith tradition that discourages questioning, it can be far too easy to avoid asking questions until the time when one learns that their life here will soon be ending, and they'll soon learn if the next life will really be everything that they were taught to expect. And people can find themselves really doubting and questioning for the first time as they're approaching the day when they've been taught that they will be judged by their faith. Um, It is possible, and I'm sure it's often been done, um, that both of today's readings have been sort of seen as warnings against doubts and questions. If people know anything about Thomas the Apostle, they know him as Doubting Thomas. And I imagine many people would assume that this doubting was a failure, a sign that he lacked the faith that the other apostles held. And while the story from Exodus is less familiar in our our culture, I wonder if in its own culture it might have also been a classic story about the failure to have faith. For example, we see in Psalm 9, see that in psalm 95 the psalmist writes do not harden your hearts as at meribah as the day on the day at Massa in the wilderness when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof though they had seen my work for 40 years i loathed that generation and said they are a people whose hearts go astray and they do not regard my ways therefore i swore therefore in my anger i swore they will not enter into my rest so not only, as Peter pointed out, it seems really weird that um, wanting water, asking for water, is a way of putting God to the test. We often see this example of that being responded to really, really strongly and negatively and something that's punished um, in this example in the, in the history of um, how people have talked about that story. Um, both of these series, stories, um, Do seem to act on some level as cautionary might be seen to act on some level as cautionary tales against doubting the presence and goodness of the Lord. But as we look at these stories today, I think it's interesting to look at the reactions that Thomas and the people at Massa and Maraba received to their doubts and questions. First, let's talk about Thomas. Thomas was not present with the group of the disciples that were gathered with the doors locked in fear of those that, those that opposed Jesus would come for them next. That in itself is a fascinating detail, because if the disciples believe that there was a threat against them against which they must lock the doors, it must have taken some combination of faith and courage to venture out, as Thomas did. And I can only imagine how ridiculous the other disciples' claim would have seemed to Thomas when he returned. You know our leader who was hung from a tree who died and was buried and then we found out that his tomb was empty and one of the women saw him wandering around the garden and we thought she had lost her mind? Well, he showed up. Just, while you were out. Oh, no, we didn't have to unlock the door or anything. He just sort of appeared. I think we would all forgive Thomas for having his doubts here. And the thing is, it sounds like Jesus forgave Thomas his doubts, too or even that Jesus didn't think there was anything to forgive. He didn't criticize Thomas for his lack of faith. He didn't express that he was offended or even surprised by Thomas' doubt, Thomas's doubts. Jesus presented his hands inside for Tom and Thomas to examine and touch. He offered Thomas the proof that Thomas needed to stop doubting and to believe. Now. The text of Exodus 17 does present the Israelites' doubts and questions at Massa and Meribah in a critical light. The people complained to Moses, saying, why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? And Moses asked them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Moses cried out to the Lord, saying the people were almost ready to stone him. Moses named the place Massa and Meribah, meaning test and quarrel. Because the Israelites quarreled with and tested the Lord, saying, "The Lord is the Lord among us or not?" The text of Israel's, the text of Exodus, doesn't tell us anything about the Lord's thoughts and feelings in the face of the people's questions. The only words we hear from the Lord are the instructions to Moses to go and strike a rock and the water will flow out. Giving people water to drink. The text tells us about Moses' frustration with the people. And, and it shows us how God supplies the people with water, meeting the need that caused them to question whether God would continue to sustain them in the wilderness. I don't mean to say that the psalmist made this tale of God's made this what should have been a tale of God's provision into a cautionary tale, or that God would not have could not have felt the anger that the psalmist portrays God as expressing. Even though the critical words toward the people in the Exodus text itself came from Moses, the story does leave one with the impression that the people were wrong in testing God and quarreling with Moses. While there are many schools of thought on how to understand biblical statements about God expressing anger and hatred, there's nothing in the Exodus text that contradicts the claim that the people that contradicts the psalmist's claim that the people, by putting God to the test at Massa and Meribah, contributed to God's anger toward the people, leading to God causing them to cause them to wander in the wilderness. But Exodus does not show Exodus text itself does not show God expressing anger at the people, or disappointment at their questioning. The Exodus Exodus text shows God acting to give people the thing they needed, the very thing they cried out for. It is, it is pretty obvious that both of these stories do say that it's better to believe and trust in God than it is to question God or look for proof. But in both of these stories, the people who question God, who have doubts, are met where they are. Their needs are met. The evidence that they ask for is presented without any, without any expression of criticism or reservation from the one who gives. The failure to have faith is not wet with punishment and con- condemnation, it is not with generosity and another display that God will give to those who act, that those who seek will find." I don't even think the words ascribed to the Lord in Psalm 92 necessarily contradicts this. The psalmist shows the Lord saying, do not harden your hearts, as at Massa, as on the day as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. That last bit, though they had seen my work, suggested that insofar as the time in the wilderness was punishment for what occurred at Massa and Meribah, the issue might not have been so much this particular of instance of doubt, but the continued questioning by the people of whether God would provide for their daily needs even after God had split the seas to lead them out of slavery and rained down bread bread from heaven to sustain them in the wilderness. This suggests to me that the cautionary tale here is not just against having doubts or questions or asking for water when thirsty, but the specific continued questioning of God's provision by people who had seen the proof who had time and again had seen the lengths to which God would go to see God's people live freely in the land that God had promised their ancestors. And even so, water came flowing from the rock when Moses struck it, and their daily bread continued to rain down from heaven. I think that church people have too often presented, that have t- have presented, wait, sorry, I think church people have too often presented the lack of faith as a failure worthy of shame and condemnation. When that is seen as the case, our doubts too often become the secret that we hold even from ourselves until we can de- until we can delay them no longer. Given that, I understand when people are sometimes frustrated when they reach this point when approaching the ends of their lives. And then they get a clergy girl from the hospice agency telling them that we all doubt, which we haven't seen for our own eyes, with, which we haven't seen with our own eyes, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. Just after just a few months now of sitting with people who are dying, I have a lot of thoughts about how thoughts about the things we do, the ways in which the things we do as the church and as a culture increase people's suffering as they approach the end of their lives. I would put the failure of so many churches to allow people's questions and doubts throughout their lives high on that list. Too often the church has treated faith as the basic identifying characteristic and the responsibility of anyone who would follow Jesus. In some traditions, faith is literally the only thing that can assure us that we're saved from damnation. In other traditions, our adherence to the community's shared faith is a necessary condition of belonging. If we place such high stakes on having faith, we might listen to the story of Thomas and hear only Jesus' statement that blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. But in light of Jesus' uncritical willingness to offer Thomas the proof, that he is their teacher who was crucified and yet lives again. We might assume that not having seen and yet believe is something extraordinary. It is not the faith that we must have to be saved or the faith that we must have to belong. The story suggests that that's not even a faith that the rest of the disciples had because Jesus shows all of them his hands and feet as proof when he sees them to show that he's raised, he's been raised. I wonder who we would be if we saw faith not as a first step of belonging to the church, but as a lifelong practice that we grow and cultivate together. I wonder who we would be if we saw questions and doubts, not as a source of shame or a sign of immaturity, But as the normal response of a human being when asked to trust in something that they've not seen. I wonder if, through a life of living honestly in the tension between faith and doubt, we might learn little by little to become people who trust in God's presence even when we don't feel it, to become a people who can look at the chaos of this world, look at this world of chaos and pain, and find signs of the new world that God is building.
0: Steve, shall we sing our last song? If there's anyone else?
2: Thomas Count. These things did Thomas Count as real, the warmth of blood, the chill of steel, the grain of wood, the heft of stone, the last real twitch of blood and bone. It's pretty stark, pretty. Um, um, vivid I should say. The vision of his skeptic mind was keen enough to make him blind to any unexpected act too large for a small world of fact. His reasoned certainties denied that one could live when one had died until his fingers read like Braille the markings of the spear and nail. So um, yeah a little bit of a, a, a image of uh, Thomas as someone who's not quite living up to Uh, uh, a faith in the risen Jesus but strikes me as very very real again just to kind of echo what Amy has said and Allison has said here about uh, Thomas that um, uh, we understand warmth and chill and and, and blood and bone so we can maybe sympathize with Thomas. I'm going to sing this through and then line it out so we'll learn this song.
4: These things did Thomas count as real, the warmth of blood, the chill of steel, the grain of wood, the heft of stone, the last frail twitch of blood and bone. Listen to the first line. These things did Thomas count as real, sing. These things did Thomas count as real, the warmth of blood, the chill of steel, the warmth of blood, the chill of steel, the grain of wood, the heft of stone, the grain of wood, the heft of stone, the last frail twitch of blood and the last frail twitch of blood and bone. Continue singing as you will. The vision of his skeptic mind was keen enough to make him lie to any unexpected act too large for his small world of fact. His recent The risen Christ receive whose raw imprinted hands reached out and beckoned Thomas from his doubt.
0: Talk about a song against the scientific method. I think what was interesting to me this time reading it and thinking about it a little bit more is this it isn't saying fact isn't real mm-hmm. that none, that those things aren't true. There's just something more that happens or there's something so totally unexpected and so weird in addition to. Um, and I think sometimes being obsessed with facts gets a bad rap in the church. So, both of those things. All right. Let's gather all of these things, spoken and unspoken, before God. Holy Mothering God, Creator of life, yours is the peace that passes all understanding. Whether the war is between countries, belief systems, or political parties, whether the war is between family members or colleagues, or between churches or within church families, even when the mind wages war on itself through mental illness, faith in you means imagining peace where it seems impossible. For all who are searching, may your peace release hope. For all who are aching, may your peace bring relief. For all who are arguing, may your peace intercede. For all who are hating, may your peace cast out fear. May your love surround and envelop all who are living with war, all who have been devastated by war, and all who are perpetuating war. May your transforming love pervade the darkness. Amen. We're coming to the end of our weekly time together. Let's stand as you're able and join in a circle again. All right. Let's sing our closing song, which I believe we've sung the last two weeks. So... um, I'll sing the chorus, join if you know it. Uh, That one. Mm -hmm. Looking on here, I didn't write the chorus in here because I know it and I was like, what? Okay. Mm -hmm. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. And then the verses all sing a verse and then you respond with get up, go out and live. All right, ready. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. You gotta get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. Your God came that you might have life Get up, go out and live So full of light that you just can't hide Get up, go out and live You gotta get up and go out of this place Get up, go out and live You gotta get up and go out of this place Get up, go out and live It won't be easy, you're gonna be scared Get up, go out and live But look around, there is hope out there Get up, go out and live You gotta get up and go out of this place Get up, go out and live You gotta get up and go out of this place Get up, go out and live Take a step and raise your voice. Get up, go out and live. Don't have to be perfect to sing and rejoice. Get up, go out and live. You got to get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. You got to get up and go out of this place. Get up, go out and live. Get up go out and live. My dear imperfect people, complainers, disbelievers, all, get up and go in the joy of knowing you are not on your own. Go in peace.